0: Welcome to Death Holler, the place of haunted hearts and haunted homes. We welcome you to Death Manor, the home that boasts the most ghosts. Come on in. We've been expecting you. Take a look around. You might see someone that you recognize. Do you hear those voices? That's just the Reverend Dr. Death and La arena They're so happy to see you. Sit back and relax make yourself at home your new home and remember when you're in death holler listener discretion is always advised we hope you enjoy the show
1: So here we come to the second turn of the screw adaptation that we're going to cover. Uh, this one would be the turning the 2020 version, uh, directed by Flora Sig Sigismondi. I'm going to say
0: that's <laughs> how I that would one. pronounce it. Yeah. Uh,
1: written by Henry James, of course, it's based on his characters in turn of the screw, uh, Chad Hayes and Carrie W Hayes did the screenplay. We have uh, music by Nathan Barr. made for a budget of 14 million us dollars made 19.4. So, uh, in box office, not a big, uh, turnover there for the, for the company. Um, that that's not, that's not a big win for the production company on this one. No. Uh, and for good reason, but I'll, I'll save that until we get to the review. Um, We have principal players Mackenzie Davis playing Kate Mandel, the former school teacher turned private tutor with a family history of mental disorders. Uh, She was in um, Tully, uh, Blade Runner 2049, Black Mirror. She was uh, in the San Junipero episode. That's probably my favorite Black Mirror episode. It's one of the few that supposedly has a, I mean, that ends in a quote unquote good ending, but the way that the, that particular episode ends, I don't think I would call it good. Have you, do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever seen that one?
0: Black Mirror. What? I feel like is, is every episode of Black Mirror different? Yes. Okay. Um, I think I've only seen one, and it was a bit much for me.
1: So yeah, well, if you started out with the very first episode where it's about the uh, the political person yep. who has to end up uh, with a pig, then yes, I understand that completely. <laughs> yes, that uh, was it. <laughs> San Junipero, I would, I would, if I, I mean, it's one I would recommend to you if you ever go back to it. It's like in the third season, I want to say, but basically the gist of it is, is that uh, they have these they've they've invented this like virtual reality world where you can go and, and, you know, you can play there, like, you know, spend your time there, but people who die can actually have their, uh, essence or their memories, like uploaded into the system. And so basically they can live there forever. Oh, wow. Uh, and it's setting like, I mean, it, the world is kind of like in a 1980s. Uh, even though it's, it, you know, it's modern times or farther out from modern times is the, when the people playing the game are actually in. The the, ga- the bulk of the game, well, you can go to different time periods, but the bulk of the, the, the one that the main characters stay in is the 80s because that's when they were both like teenagers, and so they're going back and reliving their youth. And... Um, Mackenzie Davis plays this character, who's kind of like very skittish, kind of nerdy, and like the and like she uh, comes across and uh, this um, this uh, very strong-willed and like you know outgoing, uh, very charismatic like uh, black lady uh, that and and the two of them you know form a relationship, uh, you know a sexual one, but also you know like the, uh, they're actually in love. But the, the, the gist of the story is is that Mackenzie Davis, when the black lady and uh, uh, the, I don't remember the actress's name, but whenever she actually comes to uh, like, you know, uh, like try to find out about her friend in real life, uh, what she finds out is that Mackenzie Davis has been playing this game within like a nursing home. And like, she's been on like, you know, basically her deathbed this entire time. And and so she gets uploaded into San Junipero, like completely uh, her friend, like, you know, uh, decides, has to make a decision. Does she let herself die uh, to go on to be with her husband and her children who have went on before her, you know, trusting that, you know, there is such thing as God and that they'll be reunited in heaven. Or does she take the easy out? Uh, or and and be with this woman that she loves, you know, like in this computer simulation, and like so. Then in the end of the, mo- the the whole episode has her, like you see her in her youth, like she whenever she dies, she gets loaded in there, and the two of them are together basically forever. Yeah, it's supposed to be a good ending, but at the same time, I consider it kind of a horrific ending because I mean, you're in a computer program. Yeah, that hacked. I mean, you're you know like. Uh, it's, I mean, it, it could get stagnant. I mean, you're basically living in this like idealized, you know, uh, reality. Um, we don't know what heaven is. We don't know. I mean, like what the afterlife is, I, I you know, it, it depends on where you're coming from. If you don't believe in such a thing, this is like, you know, this would be perfect. But if you do believe in such a thing, you're basically, cutting yourself off from anything that the afterlife might offer you as far as change growth and everything else, just so that you can be stagnant and this, you know, you're what you consider now, like your version of what you would want heaven to be. But like, you know, do, it's uh, to me, it's like, you, you know, it comes up with that existential thing. It's like, would we really want that forever? Like, or would our mind change eventually? You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, it, it opens up a lot of questions, but it's a very good episode. Yeah. Uh, And then she was in Terminator Dark Fate. Um, But she, I mean, she was really good in that episode. I'm really surprised in this movie. I mean, I'm just going to give it away. I don't think she was that great in this movie at all. (laughs) Like she was hostile from the get go to uh, Miles in particular. And like, you know, I don't really, and you know, the the claim that people make about, um, you know, uh, Nicholson and the, the shining about how he's crazy from the start I kind of get that from Mackenzie Davis in this, and I don't think that's what they really needed for this movie, for that ending to pay off the way it did. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We got Finn Wolfhard playing Miles Fairchild, the oldest son of the Fairchild Estate, Problem Child potentially possessed, maybe. Uh, Definitely in the Cougars, though. He is is very creepy with uh, Mackenzie in this
0: movie. Oh, yes, he is.
1: Uh, Death Holler alum, he's been Mike from Stranger Things, Ghostbusters Afterlife, and he was in It, which we will cover at some point at some time, so he's been, and, you know, he's, he's really getting into the horror genre, so I expect to see a lot more movies out of him as time goes on. Oh, Yeah. Uh, Brooklyn Prince plays Flora Fairchild, orphan daughter of the Fairchild estate, uh, creepy and seemingly habitual liar. Uh, she seems to say one thing in front of McKenzie, if McKenzie can be trusted, and then say something completely different in front of everybody else, but that's kind of how Flora is in most of the versions of this. Uh, she's in a great performers horror show, which is a 10 minute short, uh, the Florida project, which I've heard is really good and kind of like a slice of life type movie. And she's in an upcoming movie called cocaine bear. That's coming out in 2023 about, um, drug runners who, um, Come into the state of Kentucky and uh, leave a bunch of cocaine that a bear ingests and it goes on a rampage before it dies. So there you go. That's going to be a weird-ass movie. Yes,
0: that movie will, never, that movie will not <laughs> staff my timeline is what's happening in, in my social media. So <laughs> Cocaine Bear, yeah. Uh,
1: uh, Neil Greg Fulton plays the dead former caretaker sexual deviant non-consensual lover maybe of uh miss jessel uh like i said we we've seen other versions of this where miss jessel didn't act like she liked it but then she kind of did so i don't know if that's uh but Mackenzie uh davis's character uh takes it to be non-consensual so that kind of alters her perception of it. And yeah. he is a very much a ghost fucker if he really does exist. So we, yeah,
0: we can't escape the ghost fucking here in death holler. So, yeah.
1: uh, well, not when it comes to like the, the Quint, because I mean, that's going to come back, special in Blind Manor. There's definitely ghost fucking going on in that situation. <laughs> uh, she was in good omens. Uh, she played Satan in that or, uh, and then she, or he did, I, I should say, uh, malevolent, uh, Outlander, uh, and then he was in Doctor Who. And then we have Dana Thom- Thompson playing Jessel, the former governess, tutor that went missing, sexual obsession of Quint, possibly dead in the lake, possibly haunting Kate. Uh, the ending says otherwise. And she was in the Blood Indulgent and the Bloody indul- Indulgent Regurgitated, uh, Vampire Burt's Serenade, and lots of music videos. Fergie and the weekend. So the weekend's coming back on this one.
0: Yep. Here we go. Uh,
1: But basically, uh, she's been casting a lot of stuff where she has to shake her ass and like put those, uh, put that body out there. So I I think that's the reason they got that particular actress because she's not really in the movie, but there are some scandalous photos of her and Quentin. And I think that's the reason they got her. So,
0: oh, okay.
1: Uh, synopsis similar to the innocence a former school teacher takes on what seems like a cushy job teaching a recently orphaned girl at a palatial mansion in the countryside this time with a tutor that seems to hate men and is rude to everyone involved uh children act creepy finn wolfhard tries seducing an older woman and the writers in the movie on a scene that is so pretentious it would have had rod made roger ebert proud um <laughs> I'm just going to discuss that ending fucking ruined the entire thing for me. Like, uh, not only that, but they ran two endings to this movie, which is a cardinal sin. It's like pick one or the other, but they tried to get by with doing both, and they succeeded at neither.
0: Yes, it was, both of them were, (laughs) both of them were useless. For lack of a better term, seriously.
1: They have the one ending where the, the children are saved, and they're ran out of the mansion, and, you know, and, And uh, you know, the ghosts are no longer bothering them. And then you have the other version where like, Miles basically tells, uh, you know, Mackenzie Davis' character to, uh, you know, that she's been crazy, that she's fucking crazy. She somehow realizes that she's crazy now, even though there's, she knows that she has, her mother has a family, you know, has some kind of weird dementia style thing anyways. Yeah. And suddenly this dawns on her that she might be crazy, and then she goes inside of her own head, and, like, she's stuck there with her uh, dead mother or something, so.
0: Well, well here's her, her, the thing. Well,
1: her still living mother, I should yeah. say.
0: Technically, um, the first ending wasn't even really an ending because we did that crazy eye thing that they did a few times in that film because that was a visual thing. And it's like it's it shows I get you don't know what really happened. You know, she just keeps going back into portals or the pictures kind of do a thing too, where the pictures that her mom was drawing. That kind yeah. of takes it's yeah. almost like they're portals into going back into the nightmare.
1: Yeah, it's like when she sees them, they represent something that triggers her brain, and, like, she goes in, like, some kind of mental state and, you know, all this stuff. Yeah, so you really Um, don't
0: know what happens, but both of the endings, yeah, neither one of them worked for me.
1: Story-wise, the reason this sucked for me, this version of it, and and it's graded horribly by everybody, you know, out there, so we're not the only ones who are trashing this one. Um, the reason it didn't work for me is they set up at the beginning of the movie. They they do have some good jump scares. I'll give them that. Yes. Um. They, they got me a few times, <laughs> but um, they 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 set up in the movie uh, because she's never actually seen you know, like the, the people involved, she's, she's seeing the ghost of Quint way before, like she ever sees like the photo of him with Jessel or whatever. And it's not like in the original innocence movie where there's some ambiguity there to where it only, she only sees the stuff after. She sees the ghost and starts interacting with them like right off the bat when she gets to the place. Yeah. And, and I think that, you can't have it both ways. They tried to, you know, make it to where, oh, yeah, she was crazy the entire time, guys. And it's like, but you, you just showed her seeing stuff that, you know, that she would have had no idea about, you know, without any kind of other clue. She actually did see the ghost. So what is it? Is she, you know, it, it's like they were trying to be like clever, but they but they were really dumb about it.
0: Yeah. It was um, not very well executed. Know.
1: No, it wasn't. I mean, what did you think about like the scares, though, the horror side of it?
0: I mean, they, de- <laughs> you got to admit that the music kind of jumps with the, makes you kind of jump too. So, yeah, you know, there was that. They were they were effective. I'm gonna give them that. Um, I just think that so many other elements of the movie really took away from it.
1: They did, and I'm gonna just throw this out there. <clears throat> I just watched Smile. Yes. Uh, I Just watched it yesterday. Five out of five. If you, I mean, if you want a scary movie, go fucking watch this movie. I mean, you will not be disappointed. And if you are, I don't. I mean, I'm jaded as fuck, and I and it got me. So whatever. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, I had somebody ask me, "Is it just a lot of jump scares?" And the answer to that is, it's got very elaborate and very well done jump scares and in, in in the in Smile, but they're they lead up to them with these very tension filled scenes. Like my blood pressure. I mean, I actually <laughs> my heart rate both were actually up in the, in the moments between because the jump scares, because they, you know, they, the way that they film the movie, they keep the tension going. That's the, something this movie does not have. That's the reason I bring it up because there's jump scares that are effective in this movie, but they're punctuated by nothing. Like they're there and then they're gone. And yeah. then you have Mackenzie Davis with these wild, crazy eyes, you know, like, you know, Throwing everybody under the bus. Like, that's the one thing I compare her to, like, you know, uh, Deborah Kerr in the original, uh, the Innocence, at least. Uh, Deborah Kerr, like, she she gives the crazy vibes at times, you know, especially Miss Gross is like, you know, giving her the side eye, like, you're, you know, what the fuck are you talking about? But at the same time, she's v- v- just like in the novel, she's very nice when she talks to everybody. She doesn't like, you know, jump down her throat. She doesn't like come off as crazy. It's just that she's got these wild assumptions. She's the Mackenzie Davis is giving the people these, the crazy eyes. And she's like treating miles. Like he's a rapist ever, even before he starts acting that way toward her. So.
0: Yeah. Oh, she, and she just, her, her, it's not necessarily wild accusation. She saw something, but she's convinced like that miles saw something, and just screaming at him. You saw it. I know you saw it. Didn't you see it? It's not making anything better.
1: No, and, I mean, there is some of that in the, the novel and in the original Innocence movie, but at the same time, there it's, it, it leads up to that. It doesn't start with that, and I feel like she starts at that and goes, like, to oh, the yeah. nth degree above it, you know.
0: Um, it's hard to say. I always blame the directors. Finn Wolfhard is a good actor, but in this particular film, I'm going to go with with the main actress. I, I don't know that it was her best acting.
1: I've seen her in other stuff, and she still does have kind of that, that you know, or at least in San Junipero, that episode I was talking about, She she's amazing in, in the acting of that, but she still kind of has the, the little bit of the wild eye look in a couple of things, so that might just be her. Yeah. But the the director definitely didn't hurt no justice. They did not, like, rein her in. They didn't, like, give mm-hmm. her, you know, like we talked about in The Entity, whenever the director flat out told, you know, the main actress in that, it's like, hey, you're overly dr- dramatizing these lines. Scale it back. You know, yeah. nobody told her that in this. Let's like, dial you know, it down so, a bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and if they would have reined her in, she has subtle acting because I've seen it before. So that's why I knew I was like, okay, we're going to get a shit movie here because when I saw her overacting, I'm like, the director didn't care enough to to kind of keep her from going that route, or maybe they told her to go that route, which was a bad choice. Yeah, you know, uh,
0: yeah, not a good idea. I feel like uh, Finn Wolfhard did okay. I feel like the other actors were okay. So there is some indication in this film that the, the direction was was almost non-existent in this film. It wasn't. I don't know. Finn,
1: Finn was the best thing in the movie, acting wise, and it was his and his probably one of his least well acted roles that I've seen him in. But still to say, he did the part the way he was supposed to. Yeah, and I don't feel like the director had any hand in that. I think Finn Wolfhard. We've already seen he's he's going to direct him. You know, like he's moved on. He's directing some stuff himself. I think Finn Wolfhard, especially at this point. Knew enough about the process and the craft of it that he knew what needed to be done from the character. Uh, now, now a really good director could have brought more out of him, but like he, I think he himself got to that level without the director actually helping in it.
0: Yeah. Now, I want to say this, maybe, and it's maybe not right, but it is something that was in my head because you got to remember we the, the kids are. Put by spirits, they're possessed, and they're kind of put in awkward situations. And in this particular case, potentially Finn Wolfhard was. Or it's funny I just referred to him as Stranger Things for this, you know. It's like, oh look, there's Stranger Things, you know, which is not right. But anyways, in this <laughs> in this film, it, he he comes off as a horny teenager. Um, which, he's a teenager. But at, at the same time, when this film was being made, he was probably upwards of 16, 17, maybe even closer to 18 while it was being made. So he's not a kid being perverted. He is a slightly older teenager, which is pretty fucking common. It just, it did, they do make it come off weird enough in the film, but it's not as weird as when you're describing to me a kid kissing a full-grown woman on her mouth. You know?
1: Oh, no, this kid, I mean, this kid looked like he was, like, 9 or 10 years old. Like exactly. Like, on kissing a 40-year-old woman, like, you know, passionately. Yes. And, you know, there's not a whole lot of difference in how, I mean, to her credit. I mean, I don't know how old Mackenzie was when she filmed this, but she doesn't look that much older than Finn. So it's like the, the there's enough of, I mean, there's just barely an age gap there to begin with. Yes. You know?
0: And I think the creepiest thing he did was maybe get a little too close to her ear and her cheek passionately. You know, unless I miss something else.
1: No, you're right. But I feel like this movie suffered a little bit from the woke agenda and it wasn't yeah. as bad as like some of the stuff we've had out there. But there there's very definitely the way that he he talks to her. It's like he's very demeaning toward her, which Miles is a, a little bit in some cases and something, you know, like a ver- in versions of the story. But usually he like if they play him as a younger child, he's usually like super sweet to the governess before you know he he turns all creepy like you know, uh, kissy type you know miles or whatever. And this one it's more like you know like uh, Finn Wolfhard was more like a uh, I'm not gonna listen to your woman you know what kind you know like you don't have any say so over me type thing. And I, I don't know, it was almost like they were moving that route with it. And I was just like, okay. Didn't I, they kind of know.
0: imply, I might be getting stories mixed up. Didn't they kind of imply he's like the man of the house though?
1: Yeah, they, I mean, the, the, in a lot of them, they've done that with Miles, but in this one more so than ever, they, yeah. Yeah, they focus on the fact that he's the, you know, the, the man of the house, he's getting ready to inherit it, you know, because of the age and all that stuff, or at least move into the the ownership Title of it, and you know, so they play it up a little bit. And they, but I mean, but the way that they have McKenzie reacting to him, it's almost like the statement it's like, you know, uh, this toxic masculinity has to be addressed, and the only way that we know how is to scream at it. You know, it's one of those things,
0: yeah. It was, it was (laughs) in your face, it was, uh, I wouldn't even say a bit much, it was too much.
1: so yeah i agree with you perfectly on what you said about hocus pocus and how it was there but it like in your face this was in your face oh like, yeah it, you know
0: it's like we get it
1: um music didn't really stand out but it punctuated the scares so yeah i mean there was that that's the only time visually it stood out. yeah visually uh not a very great movie like or <laughs> not not very well done mm-hmm uh, it, some some of the CGI in it looked a little janky too. I thought, like, I mean, you know, for the time the time that it was made, especially. I mean, we've, yeah, we've got better CGI film. now. There's no reason for that.
0: Yeah, it was very um, cheap looking.
1: Um, anything else you want to say about the movie? I just think that the ending is totally ridiculous. Like, I mean, it's like, okay, so she went inside of her own head after after miles of all people called her out on being acting crazy, like. Why? What the fuck was that about? You know, like, that makes no sense.
0: Yeah, I thought that I want, what I wanted to believe is that she's in her own head and she's super, super crazy, and that's fucking scary, especially if you can realize that, but it just didn't play out that way, and it didn't resonate very well, so I don't even know. I'm more confused than anything. I don't know where they were trying to go with it, honestly. And wait, they show her mom turn around, but they don't show anything, and she's screaming. For for why?
1: There's actually an alternative ending to this on the uh, Blu-ray disc that I – yeah, the screaming thing with the mom is totally stupid. But uh, there's an alternative ending of this that they tried to recreate the ending of The Innocents. Uh-huh. And – It's slightly better than the ones they gave in the movie, but it's still very poorly done, especially if you've watched The Innocents and you see how that one was done versus this one, and there's, like, you know, what, 40 years separating the movies? Yeah. It's, um, they have uh, basically in the garden where it actually happens in the novel and in The Innocents. They have Miles being confronted by, uh, you know, uh, the the governess, you know, Mackenzie in this case. And, you know, and and they're actually, and, and they play it up that, you know, like, uh, that they're I think even Flora's there too, which is different because in most of them she's not around. But in yeah. this version, that's something we didn't discuss. Why was Flora stuck to the house and couldn't leave? They never made a point to say why that was. I don't I don't feel like. Oh yeah, I, mean,
0: I completely <laughs> forgot about that. I, I don't I have nothing. I didn't, I didn't even think about that actually
1: so like in this version she couldn't leave the house so like in this alternative ending instead of flora being gone with you know uh mrs gross or whatever like she was stuck in the house with you know so but the three of them actually or you know encounter like the evil spirit of Quint, and they basically and 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 she She has to choke Miles out like she does in there, you know, in the innocence. But in this one, she's able to give him CPR after Quinn is gone and resuscitate him and bring him back to life. So that's how this version ends. Yeah. Still not that great, but it's better than what we got, I feel like.
0: Okay, I have an answer to why Flora couldn't leave, but this is just something that's on the Internet. And I I couldn't tell you if this is made up because I... I, I, I'm, I'm the, getting this information, and it's still, it's like, okay, no, I the don't. The movie didn't
1: make that apparent. No, So that's a failure of the movie.
0: Yes, that's basically what's happening. So the kid's parents died in a car accident right outside the gates, and Flora witnessed it, leaving her so traumatized she doesn't want to leave the property. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> it, wow. okay. okay, it's not
0: that that doesn't make sense. It's that the movie didn't make it make sense or make it even seem like that could be a thing
1: yeah, it it just didn't explain it well enough to where that actually made a whole lot of, you know, bearance on the movie in general. So yeah. I, I don't agree if with anything, that. If anything,
0: they tried to make it super suspicious. That's why she couldn't leave. Like they didn't, but you're supposed to, when you're left to your imagination, you're like, oh my God, is there like, is she a ghost? Is there something blocking her off from leaving? Is there some kind of spiritual block? What, what is it? You Not once did I think she's so yeah. traumatized.
1: I got some kind of feeling, the way the movie portrayed it, that if she left the, the property, she would die. Yeah! like Same. You know, I was thinking it ma-
0: that it was like, uh, what do you call it, The Others, where the kids had that, you know, white skin feature issue.
1: Oh uh, Yeah, yeah. Or because they couldn't leave because they were trapped inside because they were ghosts or whatever. Exactly.
0: I was also thinking that, that she could be a ghost.
1: You know, it's really shit movies like this that make you go back and appreciate stuff like The Others. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even with its weaknesses, it's way better than this. <laughs> Um, do you want to go on to trivia or do you have anything else to say about the movie? Right. Um, I don't have anything nice to say. Let's
0: move. Yeah. You know, those things when, when you don't have nice mama always said, if you don't have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. We yeah, need to go well, into trivia. Well, I mean,
1: yeah. So Jolie Richardson, like I said, uh, who plays Darla Mandel is the fourth member of the red graves or whatever to appear in an adaptation of the 1898 horror novel, the turn of the screw. Uh, and uh, we've already covered the rest of her kin that were in that. Uh, this is one of the two adaptations of Henry James' novel, The Turn of the Screw, that was released in 2020. The other is the Netflix miniseries, The hunting of By Manor, far superior. Oh, yeah, uh, by Ma- Mike Flanagan, one of the best horror directors that's out there right now. And, we worship uh,
0: him here in Death Holler,
1: yes. And uh, both adaptations are produced by Amblin Entertainment, so at least they hedged their bets and they came out with a good version of the story, even if they fucked this one over.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) This is the second movie of 2020 to receive an F Cinema score, the first being The the Grudge 2020 remake.
0: Which we didn't even, I didn't even know was a thing until we reviewed The Grudge.
1: No, I didn't either so I mean 2020 was a bad year well it's a bad year for a lot of reasons but uh, horror movies for sure didn't in 2020
0: well. though you and I could have used that knowledge been like oh there was a horror film out we were looking for anything even if we were just watching it straight to Netflix that would have been fucking amazing not, not amazing because it wasn't great but like to know but they did not advertise it at all it was like well here's this turd we're just gonna lay it here and whoever notices it notices it
1: D- don't Come don't come looking at this thing. Just say that we released it. We uh, we're going to write it off and move on with our lives. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the film takes place in Maine in April 1994. That's another thing. I never felt like this movie setting ever told me that it was early 90s. Did you get that vibe from it? Because I never got it.
0: <laughs> now that you mention it, I I didn't even know. I would no. I would have not known that watching this. It didn't 1990s. The, no how. Well, I guess that's I mean, kind of hard to say now because some of the clothing kids are wearing now are are a little bit older, but n- no. There's,
1: yeah, like I, I just don't feel like anything in this movie spoke to it being the 90s is whenever it was said, so.
0: I mean, maybe. His hairstyle, definitely not. Kids did not no, wear their none. hair like that in the 90s. Hers, no, maybe. She's got like a standard bob and the daughter has just standard straight hair, so, but, I mean, no, I guess it looks like they're mostly, like, he's wearing mostly, like, just your regular asshole rich boy clothes, you know?
1: Yes. But nothing that says this
0: is the 90s at all.
1: No, and that's another thing, another reason why Blind Manor succeeds far over this. You get the eighties setting for sure. I mean it, yeah, they played on a little bit heavy at times with the music, but the clothing is definitely eighties if nothing else. You well, know? and the
0: music was, wasn't even they didn't even use any nineties music. They used like people to make music that sounded like it was from the nineties and it was okay, but it wasn't like just oh, use nineties yeah, music. Talking
1: about. They took like some two thousands redux where it's like they had a female singer for like you know a grunge band or something that will, like you know Kurt Cobain or something and just had them slow it down and sing it that way yeah yeah oh anyways that that's just strange because that the the time setting had plays nothing into this film so
0: I would say uh, the, the Kmart moving in stereo would have been better. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> the second film in which Mackenzie Davis plays a nanny, the first being in Tully, was uh, with Charlize Theron. Uh I've never seen that movie. Uh it looked interesting, but I just never got around to it. Like Miles, Finn Wolfhart also plays the guitar. He even has a band, the Aubrey's. I didn't know that about him. Like he's really branching out into different stuff.
0: Good God, this kid. I swear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nearly all of the cast were born outside of the United States. Ben Wolfhard and Mackenzie Davis were born in Canada. Jolie Richardson and Barbara Martin were born in England. Uh, and uh, ne- uh, I guess it's Neil or uh, Neil. Uh, Greg Fulton was born in Scotland. Uh, Mark Huberman was born in Ireland. And Kim Addis was born in the Philippines. Diverse cast, I guess. Yeah, know, from for different sure. different places, at least. The movie illustrates how Kate turned into a lunatic housed in an asylum. Hence the title. Uh, is that what it really showed? I didn't get that from it. Um, this is alluded to in the beginning when the eye of the older woman reliving the attack of the previous nanny is cut into the eye of Kate portrayed by Mackenzie Davis, suggesting they are the same person. The flashback opens with Kurt Cobain's suicide, which occurred in 1994. Still never got that from it. Um, Croning young, uh, Kate, the scene depicting Kate escaping with the children is imagined. And what truly occurred was the scene shown in the succeeding flashback where the children know that Kate is crazy when she asks them if they've seen ghosts. In the last scene, Kate is horrified when she realizes that it's she who is being held in the asylum and not her mother. When paused, the figure Kate is uh, frightened by in the pool is simply the woman uh, portrayed by Jolie uh, Richardson, her older self in present day. This explains the drawings on the pool wall or Kate recollecting a horrible experience at the mansion. I got none of that from this fucking movie. I don't no. know. I mean, I'm glad somebody figured that out, but like this movie was up its own ass. They. I mean, we talked about in the Barbarian spoiler cast about how you visually storytell and you get this point across. These people failed at all angles because I never got any of that. Yeah,
0: not at all. So I feel like, if anything, that that's what they intended for the audience to see or to get, but nobody got it. So they're just like oh, uh, so-and-so figured out that, this is blah, blah, No, it's not somebody figured it out. They put the information out there. They're, they're doing their own Easter egg drops so that people understand what this film is about. I'm like, oh, okay, I could totally see that. No, yeah, even you're yeah, telling they- me and I still can't see it.
1: No, I mean, the, some of this stuff about how it's like she's seeing like the, the, old, the ghost woman she sees in the pool is like her older self. Like, no, there was no hint, There was no visual storytelling that linked any of that stuff together. They're uh, you're, you're right. I think they dumped this on the IMDb yeah. to They're try like, to make it look better.
0: We have to let people know what we were trying to accomplish. I got a question real quick though. Um, in terms of the poster, the movie poster, a lot of the movie posters have these scary hands, like, touching the children. And I don't, I didn't get that in the film. Did I miss something? Is there a scene um, in the film where we see spooky I, hands?
1: Oh, yeah, I see what you're talking about. No, I didn't see that, unless they're trying to insinuate that those hands, going back to their logic, were, like, kids' hands and that, that, you know, like...
0: Well, they look dead, and the the nails are long and sharp, and I'm like, again, another reference that means nothing. I could see how visually you would see that and be like, oh, this is going to be scary, you know?
1: If she's in the insane asylum... And she's uh, remembering all this stuff. And she actually looks, uh, I mean, those hands are supposed to be hers. I mean, and and I do see the claws at the end of the movie. They're like over playing over the credits. I remember that part of it. You know, you see those claws like digging in the wall. Yeah. Then that's fine if they want to claim that. But I mean, I don't remember it anywhere in the movie.
0: Yeah. It makes no reference to the movie really whatsoever. Again, if anything, it's just bait to be like, oh, look at this. You're going to see a spooky character
1: speaking of that the last bit of trivia i had for the movie kate's declining mental state can be measured by how much she picks her nails during the end credit scene her nails are bloody suggesting she has gone insane again uh, that's not there there's so many leaps that you have to take to get to that you know viewpoint that i don't feel like that's i mean I'm not saying, you know, I, I, I'm a big proponent. Like I said, in barbarian, I'm not treating your audience like they're idiots, but you have to give them something. You can't sit there and say, Oh, I know what this is about. Yeah. You know the story, but you've got to convey something to the audience.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And we got, we honestly got nothing. Um,
1: I'm gonna let you go first because I, I, you know, you didn't have a review for the last one. So you can go ahead and rate this one.
0: Um, I gave this one a one and I think I'm being generous with that. Um nothing re- <laughs> I did see Bly Manor before I saw this one. Uh so the th- hard but the story was not the the story of the turning of the screw was con- and this is what this was supposed to be. It was supposed to be conveying that gothic horror And that was supposed to be portrayed through this movie. That's what they were trying to give us. And I did not get that. It is an amazing tale. It really is. Much as I am tired of it at this point because I've just gotten way too much media of it and that I can understand, the book itself, I'm like, I fucking need to read this. This was way ahead of its time. It really was. But this movie adaption of it really just took it back to the dark ages, and I don't mean that in a good way at all.
1: None of the gothic uh, nature of the story was conveyed in this. Uh, You didn't get any of the, I mean, you know, like the big, I mean, I don't even feel like the house felt that big. Like a lot of the scenes were like so close up on her that, I mean, it felt like a smaller place than it has in any other version that we watched of this. Yeah.
0: It doesn't feel like a manor whatsoever. Nothing scary. I don't like, I got nothing from this, not even like was that a ghost? I mean, yeah, she's seeing some things. It's just more than anything, you're questioning her sanity, and i don't I don't know that that's how it was supposed to be.
1: No, I don't, I feel like that's a lot of stuff that they maybe had in some version of the script and it never got conveyed to film. And like they, and the, whoever, you know, and the people behind the movie, whenever they saw how bad it was being bombed dumped all this stuff out there so that people would say, Oh, okay. Uh, You know, that kind of makes sense. But I mean, I feel like that they were missing, like they, they cut something or they, they, they assumed too much in the translation that they didn't, they couldn't, pull off i mean you you don't want a monologue but at the same time you've got to show something that that you know gets people to like okay i know what's going on here and they didn't not one time did they do that
0: well here's the thing even if you wanted to go with the logic that she is losing her mind people that lose their mind tend to see some really fucking creepy things and that wasn't even conveyed very well with this i think they could have done so much
1: one thing that, that bothered me is if they wanted to go the route of trying to claim that it was all in her head, uh, they had that scene specifically where she had left the room and the, and you sat there and you lingered on that dummy, that mannequin. Oh, or whatever, I forgot about
0: that. Yeah. And,
1: and then the head twisted that you don't, don't do that. If you want it to be, say that's, if if it's, you were not in her perspective, like I said, and when, when I covered the innocence, you're always with Deborah Kerr whenever this stuff happens. When she sees things, you're always behind her. You're always very close to her, conveying visually that yeah. you're with her, like you're experiencing. Things. You were uh, Mackenzie Davis was already out of the room. It was a wide shot, meaning, like, you know, focused up close on the the, you know, the mannequin. Mackenzie davis was way too far off for it to be her so you can't sit there and use that visually you were saying that that's that she imagined this it's like no that bitch was out of the room don't sit there and say that you know that i mean and you showed the head move so you were basically saying that that there was something supernatural there
0: yeah it's just a scare tactic that they added to the film that really didn't add to the it it feels like it didn't add to the storyline did that even show up again in the film
1: um, I, some more creepy well there's the creepy stuff when, and this is a whole other thing too that kind of plays into what we were talking about with the woke narrative but remember when she comes in there and there's the uh, and it's on the same scene so I don't think it really comes back to answer your question on that but you remember the pin cushions that were all in the breast of the mannequin or whatever mm-hmm. and she has this horribly disgusted face like you know like she's just giving that look like okay you know uh, you know somebody disrespecting females or whatever like it very like, oh, just yeah. like why, why did you do that? You know, they were trying to insinuate that Quint was in the like, you know, the BDSM that we talked about with the nightcomers, but they didn't do a good job of that either. Like,
0: Wasn't there also a simulated ghost potential uh, sex rape scene?
1: Uh, yes, yes. She's laying there and all of a sudden hands come all over oh, her body, yes. like okay. disembodied hands. And, and are, were those the hands that you keep seeing on the children and the covers? I, I don't think remember it was. if they it, were
0: creepy looking or not. I remember seeing the hands. I just don't remember with the, with the nails or whatnot. Actually, no, I take that
1: back. I think they were just like regular hands. I think they like, were regular hands.
0: Yeah. So she was being touched all over. That happened. And I'm like, what are we see, supposed to be getting from this?
1: I see. I, f- I feel like they were trying to go back to the novel and be like, you know, cheeky about it, like trying to say, OK, this is her being sexually repressed. She's filling herself up. But, you know, like but saying that a ghost is doing it. Yeah. But I, they, they don't do a good job conveying that either. Like, yeah. that's not how that scene like, comes was across. it supposed it's to be like, Quint?
0: There was there's there's no answer, honestly, that I could come up with. I'm just like, uh, this is so this is a scene and that's it. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> There was a scene. And yeah, it's
1: it's a scene with disembodied hands, and that's it. And she freaks out.
0: I yeah. Mean. Um. So yeah, a one is what it's going to be for me. I I'm so confused. I hope that if you've heard me talk about this, you're as uh, you're confused. If you are, good, you know exactly how I feel. Having watched this, they took such an amazing gothic tale and did absolutely nothing with it when there's so much to do with it. So. It's not um, something I can recommend.
1: I'm going to change my rating because, like, I was actually being more generous to it after watching several of these, but you, I mean, talking to <laughs> you, I, I agree with you on that. It's it's a one. Like, I was going to give it a .5 just for the horror element, but I'm not going to give it that much extra. It got the one for the horror elements, the jump scares, yeah, and that's it. That's like, it. it, yeah. It literally deserves nothing else. I mean... Um, it's, those jump scares are fine, but the story starts to go off the rails almost as soon as it begins. They set up this, they got these cr- creepy dolls sitting outside in like a birdbath or whatever that never really play in anything. It's no. kind of giving you a hint that there's something's weird with Flora, but they never really pay that off either. Mm-mm. Um, they have
0: cool things that they do nothing with. <laughs>
1: And, uh, and so, and, and the characters are antagonistic against each other for no damn reason. Like they're just, uh, you know, especially Mackenzie Davis. So like, I, I mean, just across the board, it's, it's a, it's a poor film. Like, yeah. I don't understand what they were doing, what I, 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 I want to blame the director more than anything. Like, I mean, they, they might've had a shit screenplay to operate off of, but I, you know, but I feel like the director uh, could have took that screenplay and did something with it, better or at least with the acting of it, if nothing else, and they didn't. So,
0: yeah, it's it's just sad because there the potential was there, and it just slipped right through their fingers.
1: Yeah, you you could see that they were what they were trying to go for, but they didn't have the talent to pull it off.
0: Yeah, so it was unfortunate.
1: And uh, that concludes that part of it. And the <laughs> next time we discuss it, it's going to be The Haunting of Bly Manor, which is the best of all the, you know, I'm just going to spoil that right up front. It's it's definitely the best of all the versions I watch.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so we'll get to that. We'll give you our ratings and what we thought about it piece by piece. Are we going to go episode by episode or are we just going to kind of kind of wicked, wicked break it down?
1: Uh, well, if we're going to do this (laughs) a little behind the screen, you know, uh, info here, if we're doing this separate, which we're most assuredly doing, then we can probably break it down a little bit more than what I was originally intending, but you know, we don't have to, we don't have to go super detailed in any of them.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot we can, it's, it's a whole story and each episode does a good job of kind of conveying basic information. We don't have to go so deep into every episode, so.
1: We can, yeah, but we can, if we spend more time on it, we can discuss things about each episode in particular we like. Oh, yeah. That'd be good.
0: Absolutely. So, all right. Well, I guess that's it for this one.
1: See you on the next one, folks.
0: God damn it, Sean. Peace be with you.
1: (laughs) I'm not going to put that on there because it's not officially the end of this. That's true.
0: um, Okay, okay. I'll edit this out. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm going to end the recording. I I
1: was thinking about it, and I'm like, no, because we didn't hard stop at the other one either, so (laughs) there's no reason...